You guys doing good this morning? Everybody doing good? It is great to be here. Uh, this is going to be a really fun uh, day, I believe. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be for just a few minutes, and, and then we're going to go do something great uh, together, a little bit out of the box. So several years ago, um, this really amazing uh, kind of man that I've looked up to for a long time, he gave me a phone call, and he said, Dave, I'm hosting uh, kind of a, a retreat for uh, a few pastors, a few Christian leaders. I would love for you to come be a part of it. And it's one of those phone calls, you know, when you get it, you just think, I'll cancel all of my plans. I'll go sit with this guy for a week. He had been faithfully in ministry for 60 years, loved his wife well, loved his children well, loved his church well. God had used him to do amazing things. So I drive up to be a part of this retreat with this kind of respected man of God. And I remember sitting down at his kitchen table in this small little cabin, and he looks at us. There's about six or eight of us around the table, a few guys, a few gals. And he looks us in the eyes and he says, what's your current pressure point in ministry? Like, what, what's that thing that keeps you awake at night? What's the, what, what's the barrier that you can't seem to break through? What is the, the hurdle that your heart can't seem to overcome? What's the challenge that you're facing in this season? And one by one, we went, went around the table and we just shared, shared, hey, here is our current pressure point. Here's the thing that we can't seem to get past. And he gets to the second guy that was sitting at the table, and, and he, said, he said, my pressure point is simple. He said, there are so many people in our city that don't know Jesus, and I want them to come be a part of what God's doing in our church church. And I don't have any idea how to get the people in our city to care and to come and to be a part of what God is doing in our church. And as soon as he shared that pressure point, several others around the table, they're like, that's what I'm feeling too. And that's what I'm seeing. And they begin to share and, and talk. And as he was speaking, there was this, this part of my heart that began to burn because on one level, I related to what he was feeling. I th you know, I think about the city of Nashville. I love this city. I've been here for 15 years. And there are 800,000 people in our city that aren't connected to a church family, 800,000 people in our city, many of whom don't know Jesus. And I know that's a crazy statistic in a place like Nashville, but it's true. You know, you just get on the interstates on a Sunday morning, and they're very different than they are on Monday morning, aren't they? And my heart burns for the people of our city. And I remember sitting there at that table, and I was just thinking, man, Lord, I would love for the people of our city to find a place with us here in our church family, to experience the grace and the love and the community and the power that comes with gathering with God's people. But as my friend was talking about his pressure point, him going, man, I want the people out there to be a part of what God is doing in here, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said, Dave, that's not your primary problem. And I begin to think about this, and I, and I realize that for ethos, our primary problem has never been getting people out there in here. I mean, just look around, we're out of room. Like, we don't have much more room for people out there to get in here. But I began thinking about the life and the teaching and the ministry of Jesus, and I went, you know what? The ministry of Jesus was never about getting people out there in here. It's about getting the people in here to live with Christ out there. That the church is not just about the people of God gathered. The church is about the people of God filled by the glory of the Holy Spirit scattered to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, right before he returned to heaven, he looks at his disciples and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. Hold a capital campaign, build a huge building, create a great kids program and get the city to come to you. No, it's not what he said. You remember Matthew chapter 28? None of those things are wrong, but what did he say? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and this is what I want you to do with your life. Go, 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 go. And the mission that is unfolding in here, if it never steps out of here, 
It fails to be all that God has created us to be. I remember sitting around that table listening to my mentor talk and the Spirit of God was just challenging me that, man, this is what we were made for. That God has made us as the people of God to demonstrate his love and his grace and his power to the ends of the earth starting in our very own city. Right here, right now. I love this. You see this in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, one of his most famous sermons ever. In fact, it's kind of his inauguration speech as he's bringing in the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, this homeless, nomadic, itinerant preacher with a, a mad set of carpentry skills, shows up on the side of this mountain and he begins to preach. And it's now become known as the Sermon on the Mount. And a few moments into that sermon, this is what he's going to say. I want you to look at your Bibles with me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. For some, of you, for some of you, these are familiar words. For others, it's the first time you've heard it. But this is Jesus speaking. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before other people that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so Jesus looks at this group of nobodies. I mean, a bunch of people like you and I. I mean, just a bunch of people that were interested in God gathered around the person of Jesus. And he looks at them and he says, do you realize how magnificent God's purposes for your life are? That your life does not just exist to get the great job or to have the great family or to, to be a little more comfortable. He says, but your life is perfectly designed by God to illuminate the glory of God for the sake of those around you. He says, you are the light of the world. He says, you are like a lamp. You are the one that is illuminating for your friends and your family and your neighbors and your cohort. You are illuminating the grace and the glory and the love and the power of God most high. But I want you to notice this. Look back at verse 16. It's a very important word here. He says, in the same way, let this light shine before others. Before others, Jesus says, listen, you've been created to steward this light that God has placed in you. You've been created to illuminate the glory of God. He says, but this light that God has entrusted you with is only valuable if the church understands ourselves as a church, not just when we're in here, but when we are out there. He says, this light is not meant to be hidden under a bowl. It's not meant to be confined to a cool venue. It's not meant to be sequestered in our homes, in our house churches. He says, no, this light must be lived out among others. And it's when you're before others that people see what it is that God is doing in us and through us and around us. And as they see the way you live, they go, wow, God must be legitimate. I mean, he is amazing. And God, by his grace over the years, there have been these moments where he has come to us in our, in our church family and he has creatively and uniquely invited us to step out of the places we have found ourselves in so that this light that he has put in us by the grace and the power and the righteousness of Jesus can display the goodness of God wherever we go. I think about this one moment four years ago. Uh, my wife and I had become friends with this guy named Ron Shepard, just an amazing man of God. He had uh, been touched by God had stepped out of his role in the corporate world for a season and wanted to help use his administrative skills to run this nonprofit 
here in the city for uh, families that were living below the poverty line. I remember meeting Ron and he just tell me about the work that he's doing in North Nashville and the work that they're doing with families and the work that they're doing with kids. And I remember my heart just coming alive. It's like, man, this is amazing. And I'll never forget the end of that first conversation with Ron. He said, Dave, uh, do you care if I call you sometime? And I said, yeah, man, if you ever have any needs, give me a call. So a few months later, it was the Wednesday or Thursday before Thanksgiving. Ron calls me and he says, Dave, we have a huge need. We have been trying to take care of these families in the neighborhood that we've been serving. We were expecting a huge shipment of food this week for the holiday season. And the truck did not come. It's not going to make it. We don't have any food. And he said, would you mind sending out an email to your church so that people can bring some food and we can help these families out? And no offense, but I remember when Ron asked me that, I thought, man, if we send you an email on Thursday, only about three of you will read it. And uh, we will not have enough food to, to feed a single college guy, much less thousands of families in North Nashville and beyond. And so I remember getting off the phone and Brandon and I, who's one of our other pastors and some of our team and some of our friends, I remember just literally getting down on the knee, our, our knees in that. That our office at the time. And just asking God, like, God, what do we do about the need that you've just put before us? Because God, you've illuminated something. You've given us an opportunity to step into. What do we do with the need? And so as we were praying, the Holy Spirit gave us this scripture in, in our hearts. It's from Mark chapter six. Maybe you remember the story. It's where Jesus has just been crushing a teaching. He's been teaching before 5,000 men plus their women and children, about 20,000 people on the side of this hill. Jesus is just laying it down and his disciples come to him after a day of teaching and they say, Jesus, everyone here is starving. Can you send them somewhere to get some food? Do you remember this story? And there was this moment from the story that in the midst of our prayer time, the Holy Spirit reminded me of, that phrase where Jesus looks at him and he says, why don't you feed them? And I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments. Have you ever had a moment where God commanded you to do something that you were incapable of doing? And the disciples look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, we're not trying to be insulting, but have you done the math, Jesus? It'll take eight months of a person's wages to, to meet the food need here. And there's, there's no Costco, there's no Kroger, there's no Taco Bell. We don't have any place to send the people. Where do you send us? And uh, I go, have you had one of these moments where Jesus invites you into something that you're incapable of doing? I love this moment because the disciples find themselves here. And we're in this moment of prayer. And he's reminding us of the story. But I love the way the story keeps going. Jesus looks at him and he says, what do you have? He says, what do you have? He said, Jesus, all we've got is a few fish, a few pieces of bread that we stole from some kid. I mean, it was his lunch. We've got a Lunchable, Jesus. That's all we got is a Lunchable. It doesn't even have the candy bar in it. I mean, it's just this little Lunchable. Have you seen, have you seen the crowds, Jesus? What, what can we do? And I just remember the Spirit of God speaking to us, saying, Dave, I'm... I've never asked you to give me what you don't have. I've only asked you to give me what you do have. And I think sometimes as followers of Jesus, we spend all of this time trying to tell God what we don't have and all he's ever asked us to trust him with is what we do have. And so we get out of that time of prayer and we're like, okay, Lord, here's what we have. We have a huge problem, a group of hungry people in our city that need to be fed. And we don't have the resources. We don't have enough time to organize this, Lord. What should we do? And he kept saying, Dave, what do you have? And I thought, here's what we have. We have a couple thousand crazy people that love Jesus. 
We have a couple thousand people that love the poor, that love putting their faith in action. And I just happen to know where they're going to be hanging out on Sunday morning. We came up with this idea. We thought, man, what if instead of preaching a sermon, what if we canceled church and we just released our church that day to be the sermon? We came up with this idea, we're like, what if we just went to U-Haul and we just rented some U-Hauls and we parked them outside of Kroger and we canceled church and we went, we gave everybody shopping lists and we just went into Kroger's all over the city and we just looted that place for the glory of God. We paid for it, but we're just, just <laughs> raking it in. And so I remember standing up and I'm like, here we go, guys, we're, we're here. And this is what God has made us for. This is what he's made you for. Not just sitting and listening or standing, he's made you to reveal the glory of God in the life of those around you. And I remember telling them what we're gonna do and I get to the end of my big spiel and like, we're, we're rushing out and we're going to Kroger and everyone's just kind of looking at me. They're like, is Kroger a metaphor? <laughs> like, no, we're going to Kroger, like right now. And I remember just the joy of God just like seizing our church family and people cheering and us running out the doors and showing up at Kroger and it was like a riot. I mean, people are flooding in. One of my favorite worship gatherings in the history of Ethos happened in the aisles of Kroger. And I remember going in and the managers thought, they're like, what are you doing? Is this a flash mob? And I remember literally the police got called and they came looking for me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the pastor of First Baptist downtown. And I didn't want them to know who I was. And, but people started hearing. And they're like, what are you doing? And we're like, instead of doing church, we're just going to be church today. I remember the police officer that got called on and said, hey, can I help? Like, yeah, here's the grocery list. The manager of Kroger said, yeah, man. Some of you in this room became followers of Jesus because of that day, because we met you there shopping. You went on a Sunday morning because no one's there. And then a couple thousand people ruined your morning. And you saw the glory of God, right? It's amazing. And God did something unbelievable. Here's what we discovered that day. It's It's incredible. We realize that when the people of God come together, you can meet a physical need in an amazing way. Here's something even more beautiful that day. We realized that we weren't just meeting the physical need, we were meeting a spiritual need. Because it had been a while since the city of Nashville on an ordinary Sunday morning had seen the gospel of Jesus in the flesh and bones of the people around them. It had been a while since they had just seen what church looked like lived out. People started calling us and they're like, what was that about? And we're like, this is just who Jesus is. This is who we are. Do you want to be a part of it? I don't know if you know this, but over the last several years, people all over the country have begun doing that. What started in a moment of prayer and conversation with the Lord in desperate need, he's multiplied like bread and fish in our hands. And we have found ourselves in this wonderful place where for whatever reason, God has let the miracle just flow through our hands. Because it's his all along. And I go, so this morning, we're going to do it again. And yeah, you can be pumped about that. Um, <laughs> and, and here's why we do it again. I, I want to tell you, because there's kind of two sides to the need. You know, there are thousands of families in our city that we work with on a weekly and monthly basis that live so far below the poverty line, most of us can't even relate to it. And so there's a huge physical need. And the truth is, we can meet this physical need in a lot of different ways. We could pass a bucket this morning. You could throw some cash in. We could make a killer video. And then we could buy the food and send it. 
But there's not just a physical need that we're trying to meet in the city. We're trying to meet a spiritual need where this city sees the beauty of Jesus on display in your life. So it would be easy for us to talk about this and to do it and to keep it here. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, let your light shine before others so that people may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so here's what we're going to do literally in about two minutes. It's going to be really fun. I'm going to ask all of you to do five things, okay? So track with me, five things, and then we're going to get out of here. Thing number one is you're going to leave. Get the heck out of here. We're not going to fellowship this morning. We're not going to hang around. We're not going to talk. I mean, we're going to get out of here, okay? And so I'm going to invite you to leave in just a few minutes. Church is not finished. Church is just beginning. And uh, this morning, you get to be the sermon. You get to be the one upon whom the grace of God's story will be written for the sake of those around you. So number one, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to leave. Number two, I'm going to ask you to grab one of these grocery sheets, okay? So as you're leaving, we're going to have some men and women who are in the lobby, uh, who are out on the porch, who are standing out near the kids' area, um, that will hand you one of these grocery sheets. And here's what I want you to know about this grocery sheet. Uh, These are the items that our, our partners in ministry are actually looking for. The cheapest item on this list is about 60 cents. The most expensive one is a few dollars. And so you can buy one item, you can buy 10 items, you can buy 1,000 items, whatever it is that you want to do. At the nine o'clock, I was over at Kroger and I just watched these college students just like cleaning off the shelves and their daddy's credit card in their hand. They're just like, (laughs) they're like, Lord, your grace is sufficient, you know. And I thought, I don't know if I condone it, but I do. And uh, God, you're going to do something amazing with this. And so I want to invite you to, one, leave, two, to grab one of these grocery sheets. And please just buy what's on the list. You know, uh, every year some guy's like, oh, you know, I bet you someone in North Nashville wants a cheesecake. And I'm like, yeah, you know, they probably do, but that's not going to last. So don't buy a cheesecake. Just get whatever it is that's on the list. Um, So leave, number one. Grab a sheet, number two. Number three, we want to invite you to go to one of these uh, 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 grocery stores that's on the top of the list. Those of you that are type A, would you please listen really well for the sake of those who aren't listening right now, and you can tell us what to do as we leave. Um, but at the top of this list, there are three grocery stores. Only the first two still have trucks at them. One is completely packed, can't go to that. That's the third one on the list. Do not go to the Kroger at Marathon. Can you shake your head if you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Are you there? Okay. Just pretend. Some of you haven't been listening in 10 minutes. You don't know what you're doing. You're like, this is a cult. No, it's not. Um, Don't go to the third one. But here's what I do want you to hear. Um, There's two grocery stores that have U-Hauls parked in front of them with our signs on them. There's one right down 8th Avenue on Melrose. And we absolutely killed that Melrose at the 9 o'clock. And so, yeah, yeah. um, I don't know how we feel about that, but we bought a ton of stuff from them. Um, There's also one over in Green Hills. If you live or around the Green Hills area, that'd be a great place for you to go and uh, to give the Melrose place a little bit of a break. Um, But we we need this group to kind of divide in half. We're not going to number off and say one, two, one, two, one, two. But if, Holy Spirit, you could just help divide us. Um, That'd be be great. Half of you go to Melrose, half of you go to Green Hills, okay? So number one, we're going to leave. Number two, we're going to grab a sheet. Number three, we're going to go to one of these places. Number four... We're going to show the people around us the light of God. 
I don't know if you've ever gone shopping on a Sunday morning because it is the best time to go shopping. Um, if you've ever been in one of those moments and 700 people roll in all at once, it normally does not feel like good news. And uh, I want to remind you why we're doing this, to show the people around us the goodness of God. And so be a good customer. Be a convenient shopper. Take the parking spots that are furthest away from the building. If you're in an aisle and there's a single mother, you know, trying to wrangle her kids and you see her going for the last can of green beans, don't take it. Like, let her, let her have it. Um, when, when you see people around and they ask what's going on, tell them what we're doing. Say, hey, we are a church that's just practicing what it means to be the church this morning. Some of you have friends that have not been at church in years. You have friends that don't love Jesus, have never been in church in their whole life. And this would be a great morning as you're driving to Kroger to give them a call and say, hey, would you meet me there? I want you to come be a part of something epic. And just show them what it looks like to be the people of God. We're gonna leave, we're gonna go, we're gonna grab one of these sheets, we're gonna show the people around us what it looks like. And finally, I wanna invite you to share what you see God doing. At the bottom of this sheet, there is a hashtag, and we're asking everybody to take pictures and to share kind of mini sermons of what you see God doing. And so this week, instead of it being one person up here giving the sermon, there's going to be 3,000 people across all of our campuses, all across the city, just saying, hey, this is where we see God at work. And I go, this is going to be so much fun. I know you have some plans today. Cancel them. You won't do anything more fun than this, I promise. Tell, tell your lunch appointment. Uh, you'll be a little bit late. They can meet you there. Um, but I want to invite you to stand up with me right now as we get ready to go to Kroger in the name of Jesus. And we're going to worship. And I want to invite you to grab the hand of the person next to you as we pray. And I'm just going to commission us out in the name of Jesus and the glory of God. And so I just want to invite you to close your eyes and repeat these words after me. We are loved by God. Let's say that again like we mean it. We are loved by God. We are being sent by God to show our city that they are loved by God too, right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, I love you. Let's give a hand for the Lord. We'll see you at Kroger. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. See you there. It's going to be fun.